Tonight, uh, we're going to continue with our lesson we started a couple of weeks ago when electric kind of put a stop to things, but I'll give you a brief outline on the sermon about which we're about to present this evening. And I pray that God will open our eyes to certain things. I pray that if you may have questions about the providence of God, about His divine election, His divine calling, His divine regeneration, you come and ask either myself or one of these men, and I'll tell you, uh, these are some of the most wonderful truths that if you ever get a hold of them biblically, they will absolutely overjoy your heart. And I'm telling you, I mean, I've seen... I've seen people who had questioned about the things that we're even about to deal with this evening, about the providence of God per se, and, and, and how in the world could things in our lives God used to put us in a position where we're at tonight. God, God is just like that, and that's what God does. God moves in His own determinate will and counsel to bring about certain events in our lives, to shape, form, and fashion us for His honor and for His glory. The Bible says that it is preordained that we should walk in good works. It is ordained that, in other words, it is set. God has set it that these acts shall be performed by those that are truly saved by God's grace. And I know that there's where people kind of draw the line because they say, well, if so-and-so does not perform good works, then are you saying they're not saved? I'm saying, be a fruit inspector. Check out those that say one thing and do another. But the Bible teaches us many great things and a lot of those things are pretty deep. Some of those things are hard to get a hold of. But if you do it through prayer, you do it through great study, God will open your eyes and you will see exactly what He wants you to see if you're truly saved by the grace of God. So as we look at these scriptures tonight and we look at these things, I pray that the Lord will open our eyes and just pray God will just bless us. And by the way, I want to remind us that uh, Sunday morning after our morning worship hour, we will be having, Lord willing, our baptismal service. We're looking forward to that. Looking forward to the Carters coming in to the, to the church. And by way of baptism, we thank the Lord for that. Thank God that uh, He has moved upon their minds. And that's one of the things that uh, that that I'm talking about. You know, you think about uh, uh, certain truths are hard to get a hold of, but with much study and much prayer, God will reveal those things to your mind. And he will open up new avenues for you that you had never dreamed of before. And I thank God for that. So be much in prayer uh, for our baptismal service. And again, we're going to be having a dinner right after that. So... It'll be potluck, so we'll be enjoying a good time of fellowship after the, the baptismal service. But do be much in prayer for uh, Sister Carter, her baby, 
I know she got her shots today, and, and she's not feeling real good right now, so that's the reason why she's not with us. So pray, pray for her that uh, you know she get through this time okay. Turn with me, if you will, this evening to the book of Ephesians. I have about four references that I want to begin with this evening before we get into our main topic in our study. In Ephesians in chapter 1, I want to look at verse 13 and 14. Then we'll go to John chapter 17, verse 11, then Hebrews 7, 25, and then Romans in chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. These are scriptures that bring about the truth of the preservation of the saints. And, and again, I want to remind us, I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago while I was standing over by the window. You know, preservation for the saints is only meant for those that are truly saved. I mean, that is a given really among, among Baptists, but there's a lot of people who don't understand that. God preserves His own. He protects them. He cares for them. And the Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 13, In whom also you trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of, of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Preservation. Remember that. God's preserving you. He's done so all this time until that moment when we're carried into the very presence of Almighty. When our faith is made sight. That's how long that he'll preserve you until that coming home. In John chapter 17, John chapter 17, I want to look at verse 11 here. And here the Bible says this, this is the, the greatest intercessory prayer that was ever brought forth and is brought forth by Jesus Christ himself to his Father about us. You that are saved tonight, this prayer was for you. At the time he was praying, he was praying for those that were with him at that moment. But then later on in that prayer, and he says, and also for them who will believe. That's you and I tonight. God preserves that integrity in his prayer and he preserves the right to hold you and to caress you until the moment of your salvation when the Holy Spirit overtakes your soul and then all the way to heaven God is preserving the saint of God. John 17, 11 says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. I come to thee, Holy Father. Jesus Christ, as he speaks to the, to the Heavenly Father tonight, he says this, Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as 
we are. Again, folks, as you look at these scriptures, you cannot deny that God, number one, is in charge of your salvation, your calling, and your keeping. He's over all of that. And it comes to bear record that there's no possible way that it could be any other way because God is in charge. Now the Bible says in the book of Hebrews in chapter 7, we'll look at this scripture as well, and then we'll go back to Romans in chapter 8. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Now when we're talking about eternal security, when we're talking about eternal, everlasting salvation, that's mentioned in John chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Both words are used and they're used for the same reason, to mean eternal life. The Bible says here in verse 25, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Now, these first three scriptures, they bear witness of the fact that you are a preserved individual. From the time of your conception to the time of your death, God guards His children. There's no other way around it. I mean, you can say what you will, and I have men who have debated me over this, who had said that there's no possible way that that could be what God meant, but it is exactly what God means. It's just like in salvation, you know, we have those that, that lean to the Armenian side and they, they do so believing that they can save every man, woman, boy, or girl in the world. And in the Armenian side, it, is, it, isn't a, it isn't God in charge, it's man in charge of salvation. In the sovereignty of God, God is in charge of our salvation. And folks, there is no other way. There is no other means by which men today can be saved than through Jesus Christ and His shed blood. Therefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost, or in other words, for all time and completely and fully and wholly. Now, Romans in chapter 8, this is one of the scriptures that I love with all of my heart. You can begin at verse 26 and read all the way down through verse 39, and there you see how God has preserved the children that he sent his son to purchase at Calvary. Now every blood-bought saint of God that, is, that has been born and been saved by the grace of God have been kept by the power of God and there are those who are yet to be saved by God's grace who are going to be preserved until that time. Now, we, go, we start going into the doctrine of election and you begin to say, well, if they're going to be saved, well, what's the difference? What do we got to, what do we got to go out and, and tell others about Jesus because of Matthew 28, 18 through 20? 
There is the authorization for God's people, the church, to go out and spread the the good news. Why? Because it is the only means of salvation. But here the Bible says in verse 29, we'll begin here. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. That word means to predetermine. Those who he knows savingly, he has predetermined or predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. And whom he called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. It's as if it's already been done, folks. You see, when we're looking at this term here of uh, a predestination and perseverance of the saints and preservation of the saints, they all go together. They all go together. The Bible says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate or predetermine those he called. When did he call them? In his time. In his time. Brother Elton Smith, but he could tell you, he could bring this out so clearly just with his own life experience. Brother Elton would, would come and, and he would, we would sit down together and he would say, Brother, as I see it now, he says, I don't know why I couldn't see it then. Then he'd stop and he'd say, but God had better way. He says, I don't understand why it took me so long. And then he'd say, but I was saved in God's time. And folks, that's, that's what it is. You know, oftentimes we look at salvation as if it's something that we can snap our fingers and it happens. A lot of times evangelists will act that way. They'll act as if all they have to do is snap their fingers and people will be saved. You know, this thing about raising a hand or, or repeating a prayer and that's all there is to it or asking somebody if they want to go to heaven or hell. Well, folks, listen. Even people that don't understand are going to say, listen, I don't want to go to hell. I'd rather go to heaven. And then they'll say, well, you're saved. There's no such way of salvation known to man. It's known to man, but not known of God. So as we look at this, again, the Bible says, moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Almost gracious and divine Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence this evening, we thank you for the night which you've given us, the time that you've brought us to be together to worship in spirit and truth. Father, I pray that you'll bless this message, bless your people. Lord, help us to get a hold of the preservation of those who persevere. And Lord, let it be known that those that persevere are those that are truly saved by your grace. And they will continue on to the end. Father, I pray that as we look at the fruit tree, we think about the vine of John 15, how that no one 
can abide except they abide in you. Father, I pray that true salvation will be made known in this house even tonight. Bless your children. Help us to be joyful in the fact that we are preserved. And help us to remain faithful to the end. Lord, bless our evening. Forgive us our sin in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Emmanuel, to our visiting friends tonight, we will, by God's grace, speak on the old, vital, and true doctrine of eternal security. The doctrine of preservation of the redeemed. Now this doctrine is based solely upon the perseverance of the redeemed. In other words, this doctrine is only meant to be for those who are truly born again, saved by the grace of God. So first of all tonight, I want you to look at three different things here tonight. We're going to look at what the Savior said. We're going to look at what the Holy Spirit said. We're going to look at what God said. And folks, I want you to know something. You can't go wrong when God's in charge. Amen? First of all tonight, I want you to notice what the word of the Savior was. In John chapter 3, again, we go back here, and I've done, I've quoted this already, but I want to go back for just a moment, and I want you to look at what this Bible says. John chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. The Bible says here, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him, those who have trusted him should not perish but have eternal life. Now that word eternal is a legalistic word that means forever. It shall not be taken away. When judgment comes, eternal life is there. And judgment will not fall upon you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Again in the Greek, eternal and everlasting, they go together. They're the same, they're the same, they're spelt the same way in the Greek. They're defined the same way. It is forever. Now if you could ever lose your salvation, it never was eternal. If you could lose your salvation, it wasn't everlasting. And if you could lose your salvation, if you could send it away, send away the day of grace, as they say, then God's word is wrong. But God's word is not wrong. God's word is true. And there's not one part of it that can, you can say and point to and say that it's wrong or false. There have been men that have tried to do just that. They would take certain scriptures and they would say, well, that was added somewhere down the road and that was added somewhere down the road. Folks, there's no truth to that. This is God's word. This is God's breath breathed. And it's for you tonight. It's for whosoever will. In John chapter 6 and verse 37, notice what it says here. John 6, 37, the Bible says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. 
Who did Jesus Christ come to die for? The Bible says for those whom the Father had given him. Are you given of Jesus Christ by God the Father? Yes, you are. If you're born again, you're a child of his. Nothing can ever change that. Nothing can ever stop that. Nothing can ever uh, uh, take that away from you. You can go to Romans in chapter 8 and there you can begin reading where there's nothing that can take away your... Well, let's just go there and look at it real quick. I want you to, I want you to get a hold of this. The Bible says, let's begin reading at verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is it that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? There's a lot of things listed there. And people began to say, well, I can lose it because of this or I can lose it because of that. Not according to God's word, you can't. The Bible says in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Then Paul says this, For I am persuaded. You know what real salvation will do for you? It will persuade you. There's no doubt in your heart that you're born again because His Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And if a child of God then join heirs with Christ, then are you for sure never to lose that salvation because you are one of His own. And He says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Then Paul again says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, that's what it means to be preserved by the God of heaven. Nothing. In all these things that were listed here, there's absolutely nothing can take away your salvation. Absolutely nothing. And I've heard, I've heard the debate, well, preacher, uh, don't you think if you sin, you, you can sin away your day of grace? I really don't. I'll be honest with you, not according to God's Word. I cannot believe that. I cannot believe according to God's Word that I can lose my salvation because number one, he says it's eternal, it's everlasting. That means that he cannot, you cannot lose it. He says, I will not cast them out. That means you'll never leave his side. And those are words that are so, so, so good. Again, in verse 15 of John chapter 3, we see the word eternal. In the Greek, this word means perpetual. It means eternal and forever. 
In verse 16, we have the word everlasting. And in the Greek, it means the same thing. It's the same word in the Greek. So if eternal life is the reward of the redeemed, Jesus Christ is simply stating that your redeemed life is eternal and everlasting without end. Amen. From John chapter 4 all the way through Romans chapter 2 and on through the scriptures you can find where those that are born again are truly saved by the grace of God and they shall never, ever lose that salvation preserved until the end. Now secondly, I want you to think about this. I want you to notice what the words of the Spirit was in Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say come and let him that hears say come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. The water of life. The water of life. The water of life is the same as what is found in John chapter 4 and verse 14. It's the same that is found in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. The water of life is the everlasting salvation we enjoy and have eternal hope in. Amen? That's what it is. When Jesus Christ told the woman at the well, if you'd asked me, I'd give you, I'd give you living water. What he was saying was eternal life. I would have given you eternal life if you'd asked you know, I stop and I wonder about that woman. You know, there have been many, many people who have said, man, I, I want to be saved. You know what he's saying? He says, those that come unto me, I won't cast you out. He says, all them that, Jesus, that God has given me, I have died for. Listen, the Spirit quickens us and makes us alive, says John 6, 63. That word quickened means to bring to life. And in the Christian sense of eternal life, that, that life of bliss and glory in the kingdom of God which awaits the true disciples of Christ after the resurrection. I mean, we have something to look forward to. The Holy Spirit says, not only is he the earnest, you know what that earnest is, it's, it's like a down payment. When, when you have to do something in a banking situation, they ask for earnest money. It's like a down payment. It's something that's going to hold it. That's what the Holy Spirit is. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He's the earnest of our salvation in other words, He is that part of us. He's in us and what He's doing, He is there to, to, to hold us until the end, in other words. That's what the Spirit does for us. Are you saved by the grace of God? Do you know the, the kind of security that the preservation of the saints means? It means eternal security. It means something that you can never lose. And I don't know about you, but that's the salvation I want. Amen. You know, all these other 
isms and, and all these other schisms out there that's preaching another way of salvation, I'm sure they have something to worry about because their way of salvation, number one, will not bring salvation to begin with, but it will not certainly keep salvation if they was able to get it because it's all based upon them and their works. But the Lord says, no, it ain't the way it is. My son will purchase you with his own blood. Well, I'll give you the, the spirit for an earnest. It is the earnest. So now, lastly, we look at what the Father says in Isaiah chapter 55. We go back there for just a moment, and I want you to look at this first three, scripture, three verses of Scripture here. Notice what God the Father asked. Notice what he says about preservation of the saints. Even in the Old Testament, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Is that not true about works? Works will not satisfy you. I mean, that's the reason why today there's so many that are in these works for salvation denominations, they're never assured of salvation because they say, well, I don't know if I've done enough. You know, I used to have an old gentleman used to tell me that all the time. He said, Brother John, he says, I hope I've done enough. I hope I've done enough. Folks, I want you to know something. It isn't up to us. It isn't about our works to gain salvation. It's all what he done already to secure salvation. So he says, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye of that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. I don't know about you, my soul's happy tonight. My soul rejoiceth in my salvation. And listen, I can, it is almost like basking at the table of the banquet that is full and loaded. It's always given. It's always providing. That's what eternal security does. It continues to provide joy to the saints. Incline your ear. And come unto me. That's what he's saying to the sinner tonight. Listen. He says, come unto me. And your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. An everlasting covenant speaks of eternal security. Preservation of the saints. A salvation that you can never lose. Romans in chapter 8 is the best portion of scripture that I can give you for that. Because in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 down through verse 39, in there you'll find that there's absolutely no entity that can take away your salvation. No demon, no dragon, no devil, no Satan. Nothing, once you're saved by the grace of God, nothing can take that away. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature 
I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Apostle Paul covered every possibility known to man and God that could take away your salvation. There's nothing there. He says there's nothing that can do it. Folks, that's the salvation I want. That's the salvation that you need. A salvation that will never, ever grow old. A salvation that will never give in. It's a salvation that will last. There's nothing can take that away. God the Father declares if you come unto Him, you will be kept eternally with joy. Joy and everlasting covenant. You know, I'll go back to Ephesians chapter 1 again and, and verse 13 and 14. I, I have to go back here and, and read this before I come to a close. I want you to look at this. In verse 13 and 14. Well, let's, let's just read a little bit more than that. In verse 8, the Bible says this. After having predestinated us, we find that in verse number 5. To the praise of the glory of His grace, verse number 6, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath, made, he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, that, that salvation plan, according to his good pleasure which he had purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are in the earth, even in him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom also you trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When that spirit moved inside of you, listen, upon your salvation you were sealed and nothing can take, nothing can move him out of the way. You see, that's what it means to be preserved. The real saint of God has the spirit living inside of them. Do they still sin? Yes, they do. But sin does not dominate them. In other words, it's not something that we desire to keep doing is sinning. I don't desire to sin. That doesn't keep me from failing from time to time, but yet... I am sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. He's saying, I will forgive you. That Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Now, those last phrases mean exactly what you think they mean. We're preserved all the way to the time that we're called home. Preserved. The real saint of God is preserved. They're kept by the power of God. They're kept by the power of the Spirit within them. They're kept by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. You're kept and there's nothing can take that away. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes my heart rejoice. To know that 
Nothing can take that away. Nothing can ever take that away. So tonight, this means that God will never change his mind about you. He will never take back his eternal life gift. Salvation will always be there. And he will never recall the words which drew us unto himself. He'll never call them back. In 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy, I'm going to have to read this to close this message out. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says here, speaking of the power of God, who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, for the Armenian, that is, that is a word that they dispute, and I don't know how. We even have Baptist churches that, that, that stand against that word right there. Sad in this world in which we live that so many pulpits are being filled with Armenian preachers who will stand against what God's holy word says. Listen, God knew us even before the world began. Your names were written in the Lamb's book of life, not when you were saved here in this time, but were in his mind's eye in eternity past, in the council halls of eternity past, you were on his mind. And there your name was written down then. Had you ever thought about that? that your name was even written before the council halls of eternity, before the foundation of the world, before the world began. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I close with Psalm 37. This is a promise. I close after this. I just had so many scriptures. I, I just wanted to make sure you got some of this in verse 28. Psalm 37, the Bible says, The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Forever. Let's all stand.